0: Celebration, jubilation, pandemonium. Imagine what that first Palm Sunday might have been like as people greeted Jesus on the outskirts of Jerusalem, probably pilgrims just like him coming for this great celebration. And and they throw their cloaks in front of him and their palm branches as well. Kind of colorful and beautiful, like what we look at uh, here at our service today. But as it turns out, the celebration was either too soon or not large enough. And that got me to thinking of other celebrations that maybe come too soon in life. Uh, When I ran this idea by people, they immediately start thinking, well, like, are you talking about COVID? We're opening up too fast. People are celebrating too soon. I suppose that's a potential application, but actually in the Horner-Eibler household, where we launched this idea in the first place, That's not what we were thinking to begin with. Actually, Barbara and I were sitting there drinking coffee and we started thinking back to epic fail early celebrations in notable sports events. Now, we're not totally sure when we put this up on on Vimeo if you're gonna be able to see these or if they'll get knocked out, but we're, we're thinking of things like going back to 1982 and, and the, the, the epic Kale uh, versus Stanford football game, which Stanford had won. It kicked off with like one second to go and their band rushed the field to celebrate, except for the fact that Kale did about 11 laterals on the kickoff return, run the, 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 the kickoff return through the, Cal, through the Stanford band and score a touchdown. It, it's an epic early celebration. Uh, Leon Lett, if you've been around for a while, you can remember back to Super Bowl 27. He recovers a fumble at his own 40. Uh, He's a defensive lineman. Runs it all the way back. He gets to the one-yard line where he's been celebrating for a couple yards already. And Don Beebe catches him, strips the ball. It goes out of the end zone, touchback. Buffalo gets the ball back. They do not, Dallas does not score a touchdown. A classic uh, early celebration and and the final footage that maybe you'll see online is you know just your, your standard going in for the the enormous dunk and instead it goes off the rim and the celebration that might have been is now embarrassment there are plenty of examples from sports of celebrations that are too soon and maybe in other cases actually not big enough See, that's kind of a thing in life, isn't it? We, we human beings, we do sometimes. Um, what's the phrase? Count our chickens before they hatch. We celebrate a little too soon, and and other times something really dramatic happens in our lives, and we perhaps don't celebrate it enough. That's what we should talk about uh, today on Palm Sunday weekend. Go back to the original story. The way Mark's Gospel tells it is is wonderfully simple and kind of raw in a good way. In other words, there's this awe and wonder that that Jesus would would anticipate that this donkey would be available and and that it will be shared with him because, see, that's the impact Jesus has on people. The the owners of the donkey don't even know him, but they are willing to share uh, amazingly generously because Jesus connects their sharing to a sense of purpose and mission in their minds, and then they are all in and ready to do it. The crowds celebrate. Uh, They're probably out of towners like Jesus, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, uh, but they recognize the moment for what it is. Here's this Jesus who is an outsider to this big city of Jerusalem, and he's just different. He teaches with the best stories. He embraces the lost and the unforgivable. He heals the sick, and even when he embraces people that maybe the crowd would have hated, the Roman centurion, a tax collector, they they recognize that it's authentic because his welcome is for everybody, and when he says everybody, he means everybody. And I think they got that, and they celebrated. But perhaps it was too soon. Because then the rest of Holy Week unwinds before us, and by the time we get to the end of the week, the disciples have deserted him, the religious leaders have indicted him, and the political leaders have condemned him to the cross. There are now perhaps a few jeering crowds of insiders, but everyone else is gone, and the cross is all that remains. But the story does not end there, you know that. It gets us to Easter, and then that becomes a day of appropriate celebration, but does it? Uh, I, wanna, I wanna free some part of the audience of, of something that I grew up with. Uh, I grew up in a church that really had a wonderful impact on me in many ways, uh, but, but Holy Week uh, was, was tough. Uh, they would do two things during Holy Week that I think were big theological mistakes. One is they would spend a lot of time making it really clear clear that it was the Jews that killed Jesus. Um, And and there was a kind of raw anti-Semitism to that that's still a part of Christianity, or at least parts of it today. Uh, But the other thing they they would do is every year they would, in addition to to blaming it on the Jews, they would also say, um, every one of you nailed Jesus to the cross. And, and filled that with a lot of guilt and shame. And, and maybe that would be defensible if when you got to, to Easter, there was a uh, corresponding degree of celebration and, and joy and, and good news, but there usually wasn't. We still started those services with a confession of sins where we said we were poor, miserable sinners who really were not worthy of any sort of love from our God. And it's as if they missed the story of the of the father and the prodigal son, who who over overflows with love at the slightest hint that either of his sons who are a little bit lost can be found again, can be alive again. This is our God, exuberant and celebrative, not one who just just leaves us buried under a mountain of guilt and shame. That isn't where any of us should live. Nevertheless, on this week, we should be real about the challenges that we face in our world and how we sometimes add to it. I, I hope a lot of you will listen to this week's podcast. It'll go up on March 30th uh, on our website, and it's with someone named Sally Sudo. She is the aunt of one of the people who works here, Ann Hill. And as a, young, uh, as a young girl, she was interned in one of the Japanese internment camps on the west coast of the United States. And, and she just shares in the podcast, with, with an amazing sense of hope and, and humor at times, um, how, how that devastated her family and, and left them with no resources and uh, kind of ended her, her father's life in many respects and made her and her siblings' life uh, extremely difficult for years to come and and she points out without malice that you know there were there were Italians and Germans in, in the same neighborhoods as where she grew up um, we didn't intern them it was because the Japanese looked different and had a different skin color um, perhaps we celebrated prematurely after the cel- civil rights era that we now live in a color blind society but we don't Uh, We still struggle uh, with racism and its after effects in our society, it remains a challenge for us. But not one that that should leave us buried under guilt and shame, Uh, actually it's it's just life-giving when we hear each other's stories, Uh, when you hear somebody like Sally, who remains uh, alive and hopeful and committed for the future of all human beings. Uh, She's actually powerfully inspiring and encouraging. I hope you'll listen to her, and and an appropriate thing to listen to on this Holy Week, to keep working on the business unfinished in our world, but to get ready for an Easter, a celebration of business that is getting done. I want you to celebrate this year. We started this, this message time. Uh, with the celebration of all that Hebron House will be able to do because of the Lent offering, I hope you will celebrate that over this COVID period. We've had seven blood drives here at her church: five for our congregation, two for outside organizations. Sharing the very lifeblood of our lives with those of others, you've got to celebrate that that we've been able to fund an Aspen House is now opened. Um, uh, rehabilitation and recovery services uh, residentially for people, men and wiz- women trying to recover in our world. Uh, that's 1,700 people have gotten inoculations because of hundreds of hours of volunteer time from people uh, here at Unity down at the Bread of Healing Cleaning Clinic. And the list could just keep going. We've scratched the tip of the iceberg of what we can do to be a good news people. Because it's never about regretting everything we did wrong in the past, it's constantly about living a good news future and, and encouraging each other in the same. It is amazing to me that a long time ago a group of people saw their donkey being taken and they gave it away freely to Jesus so that he could ride it in that Palm processional. They shared of their very best their most intimate self because they had a sense of mission and purpose and most of all of good news. They understood that the best of celebrations are not too soon or too little, but right on time and the biggest possible. Palm Sunday, people, it's a day of looking forward to the celebration that is to come. Done.